Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up, more layoffs in the tech sector dealt the latest to cut thousands of jobs amid an uncertain future. Bankrupt crypto firm FTX now asking political groups that took money from FTX's founder to return the donations. Did Disney cave to pressure from the Chinese regime? The company cut an episode that mentioned forced labor from its streaming service in Hong Kong. The Chinese spy balloon. What possible information on the U.S. could it have obtained before it was shot down? A military expert tells us that it aids China's nuclear goals. And China is sending military technology to Russia, aiding its war against Ukraine. This is a blatant violation of international sanctions. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. Dell is the latest big tech firm to cut jobs. The PC maker said today it would lay off over 6,000 workers or around 5% of its global workforce. Dell has been hurt by falling demand for its personal computers. It's already instituted cost-saving measures, including a pause on hiring and limits to staff travel. But demand has slumped following a two-year boom driven by the shift to home working. Tech firms from Microsoft to Amazon have been laying off thousands of workers in recent weeks. A report last week showed layoffs in the U.S. surpassing a two-year high in January. Tech firms have been shredding staff at the second-highest pace on record. But Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen today said she saw a path for the U.S. to avoid a recession. Speaking on ABC's Good Morning America, Yellen said, You don't have a recession when you have 500,000 jobs and the lowest unemployment rate in more than 50 years. So what I see is a path in which inflation is declining significantly and the economy is remaining strong. Yellen acknowledged that inflation remained too high, but she noted its decline over the past six months and said Biden's policies and the Federal Reserve's rate hikes could further bring down inflation. But some in the financial industry aren't as optimistic as she is. One chief investment officer says he thinks there is a high likelihood that a recession is ahead for the U.S. economy. He points to the weakening in consumer spending, which accounts for 70 percent of the overall economy. Retail purchases have fallen in three of the last four months. Spending on services were flat in December and had their worst reading in more than a year. The auto industry had their worst year of sales last year in more than a decade. We also know that consumers are now putting more on their credit cards and dipping more into their personal savings to help keep up with these inflated prices. In fact, the personal savings rate in our country right now is roughly 3% of monthly income. That was as high as 30% during the pandemic. And even prior to the pandemic in 2019, it stood as high as 8.8%. I think there's a high likelihood that a recession is ahead. Mann says how deep the possible recession could get would depend on how aggressive the Federal Reserve is going to be with the rate hikes. Secretary Yellen's comments come as President Biden is set to deliver his second State of the Union address on Tuesday. Entities Colin Fredrickson looks at what to expect. Biden's State of the Union address will bring him face to face with a Republican-controlled House for the first time. As the president speaks from the House rostrum, economic progress will likely be one of his top focuses. 
in particular after America added more than 500,000 jobs in January. But inflation remains a national headache. Prices have risen by a total of more than 13 percent under Biden. A December report in the New York Post shows that the average household has lost more than $10,000 to rising prices in the last two years. Whereas in previous decades, if the economy was doing well, the president would be rewarded, and if the economy was doing poorly, the president would be punished, we're in a new era where if the economy is doing well, it doesn't change his approval ratings. If the economy is doing poorly, it doesn't really change his approval ratings because Democrats are going to back Biden and Republicans are going to attack Biden irrespective of the policy objectives, irrespective of the economic uh, factors, and so on. And so that makes it a very challenging era for him. Biden is also likely to keep urging Congress for a higher debt limit after his meeting with Speaker Kevin McCarthy last week failed to reach a deal. The president may use this speech to reiterate his message. The war in Ukraine could be another focus of his speech ahead of the anniversary of the Russian invasion. As just last week, Biden approved tank shipments to Ukraine as a show of U.S. support. The president may also talk about immigration and police reform during the address. On to Wall Street. Stocks ended lower today. The Dow lost 35 points or 0.1 percent. S&P fell 25 points or 0.6 percent. The Nasdaq dropped 120 points or 1 percent. Cryptocurrency company FTX is reaching out to former donor recipients and asking them to return political donations. The company filed for bankruptcy in November. Zooming in on the company's leadership, the former CEO as well as the company's co-CEO for digital markets topped the list as two of America's largest political donors in the last election cycle. The former CEO contributed around $37 million, earning him the title of second largest donor to the Democratic Party. The co-CEO for Digital Markets came in as the Republican Party's 10th largest donor after he gave around $19 million. But with creditors now zeroing in on the failing company, FTX is asking the funds be returned by February 28th. Lawsuits are piling up in the fast-growing field of generative AI. Stock photo provider Getty Images today sued artificial intelligence company Stability AI. Getty accuses it of misusing Getty photos to train its AI. Last August, Stability released an AI-based system in which you can type something and it'll generate an image. Getty accused of Stability of copying millions of Getty photos without a license then using the photos to train its system to generate more accurate images based on user prompts. Getty claims Stability infringed on its copyright and trademarks. Getty wants the court to order Stability to stop using Getty photos and pay for damages. Meanwhile, Walt Disney has cut an episode of the hit cartoon series The Simpsons from its streaming service in Hong Kong. The episode called One Angry Lisa contains a reference to forced labor camps in China. In that episode, a fitness instructor shows Marge Simpson images of the Great Wall of China, then says, Behold, the wonders of China. Bitcoin mines forced labor camps where children make smartphones. Human rights groups and Western governments have long accused Beijing of abuses. China, though, denies any suggestion that it uses forced labor But this is not the first time Disney has done something like this. In 2021, Disney removed an episode of The Simpsons that made a reference to the 1989 Tiananmen Square Massacre. 
Now on to the Chinese spy balloon that was shot down over the weekend. Underwater searches to recover the remains are underway. A full Senate classified briefing has been scheduled for February 15th. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more updates on the incident. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the briefing will include information about China's surveillance capabilities, research and development, and advanced weapon systems. He pushed back on criticism that the spy balloon should have been shot down sooner. Shooting down the surveillance balloon over water wasn't just the safest option, but it was the one that maximized our intel intelligence payload. The Gang of Eight is also expected to be briefed as soon as Tuesday. The group is made up of key intelligence committee members and top leaders from the House and Senate. A U.S. fighter jet shot the balloon down with a missile off the coast of South Carolina on Saturday. You know, it just popped and like above it, it was like confetti. Senior defense officials say the missile punctured the balloon when it was about six nautical miles off the coast near Myrtle Beach. Well within the 12 nautical miles of U.S. territory, the debris landed in 47 feet of water and spread out over several miles. Recovery operations included several ships and a salvage vessel. Officials say the balloon debris will be taken to an FBI lab for analysis. China is accusing the U.S. of overreacting. It claims the balloon was for weather research and had blown off course. It was certainly trying to make a statement and test the water and see how the U.S. would respond to this. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has postponed his planned trip to Beijing, saying conditions were not conducive for a constructive visit at this time. The presence of this surveillance balloon in U.S. airspace is a clear violation of U.S. sovereignty and international law. The Pentagon says a second Chinese spy balloon was detected flying over Latin America. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. China's foreign ministry has repeatedly described the balloon as a meteorological science craft that was blown off course. But dozens of Chinese documents point to surging interest in using balloon technology for military purposes. One paper said that a military application of balloons is to test enemy air defense systems early warning detection. And earlier I spoke with Rick Fisher about the Chinese balloon. He's a military expert and senior fellow at the International Assessment and Strategy Center. Thanks for joining me, Rick. Now, I'd like to focus our conversation today on the data and intelligence gathering. But first, I, I want to establish whether this balloon being in the U.S., you know, was an accident. The Chinese side says it was blown off course. But to you, what is the probability that this was actually an accident? Zero. Zero probability. Uh, according to some sources, the Chinese have launched uh, 20 to 30 balloon missions similar to this one against many other countries over the last decade. In, in just uh, the last uh, three years, they've flown over Japan, the Philippines, uh, Indian uh, military bases in, in the Indian Ocean, and uh, near the uh, important uh, missile test range of the United States on the Hawaiian island of Kauai. Uh, and uh, the path of the balloon over the United States is a certain indication that uh, its main purpose was military surveillance and nuclear targeting. The balloon has since been shot down, but since the balloon has entered and being shot down, what do you think, what kind of data do you think it has obtained uh, within this period? Well, at many points, uh, the balloon had very clear weather. So any uh, surveillance cameras, video cameras, uh, would have had an, an easier time 
taking pictures and, and video data of these important American nuclear bases, such as the missile silos that the balloon hovered over in uh, Montana. A weather balloon such as this would be a complement to China's about five polar orbit weather satellites. Now, indeed, much of the data that would be gathered by the balloon could also be gathered uh, by the satellites. But the important point is that the balloon provides redundancy. It provides a backup in the case the satellites are taken down. And the data obtained by the balloon would be of a much greater and finer category uh, than that gathered by the satellites. The, the weather data is, is important in order to allow the People's Liberation Army Rocket Force to put as fine uh, a calculation on the missile's trajectory as possible. It is an indication to me that China is quickly shifting its nuclear doctrine from one of broad deterrence, you know, please don't shoot at us, to nuclear war fighting, meaning from the get-go, we're going to shoot nuclear weapons at you. You know, I've read that recent uh, Chinese military research papers have, have said that these balloons can also test uh, an enemy's air defense reaction time. Do you think that's a possibility? Well, definitely. Uh, Chinese Communist Party leadership was, was not just testing our air defense reaction time. They were testing our leaders. They were testing our chain of command. They were watching very closely to see how we organized our reaction, how quickly it would take for us to come to the decision to shoot down their balloon. And on that level, the Chinese Communist Party leadership learned a great deal about the potential for indecision and inaction by the American leadership, by the leadership of the Biden administration and this is very was a very dangerous uh, precedent to set uh, by this administration. I think the dilemma was, you know, Biden uh, talked about this on Wednesday, wanting to shoot it down, but he was he he wanted to wait until the balloon was over water before it was shot down. I think that was the dilemma. What are your comments on that? Uh, the, the balloon should have been shot down before it crossed into Alaskan territory. And uh, up there, there's, there's water and lots of land and very few people. Uh, that's not an excuse. It's a poor excuse by uh, President Biden. Thank you very much, Rick Fisher, Senior Fellow at the International Assessment and Strategy Center. Great having you on. Thank you, sir. In today's special report, we look at how China is helping Russia in the Ukraine war. It's giving Russia military technology. These are things like fighter jet parts, navigation equipment, and jamming technology, all in violation of sanctions. The Wall Street Journal looked at over 84,000 shipment records. Tens of thousands of those shipments contained products that could be used in the military. We talked to international politics expert Anders Court. Russia depends on complicated navigational uh, computer chip parts for all of its weaponry, whether that is, uh, you know, smart bombs, uh, cruise missiles, uh, jet fighters, 
Um, and the U.S. and Europe have sanctioned those items to try to stop the production of uh, uh, Russia's bombs and, and delivery systems. Uh, so when China steps in uh, with those products, China is enabling the Russian regime in a direct way. Some examples include China's state-owned aircraft firm Avic, which shipped $1.2 million worth of fighter jet parts to Russian defense firm Rostec. There's Chinese state-owned defense firm Poly Technologies, which gave military helicopter navigation equipment to Russian state-owned Rossoborn Export. There's Fujian Nan'an Baofeng Electronic Company, which sent communications jamming equipment to Rossoborn Export. We talked to someone from Ukraine, economics professor Roman Shermeta. He believes this is just business as usual for China. Businesses are driven by self-interest, right? So if um, since Russia is not getting technology and uh, equipment and things necessary for war anywhere else, the Russia is willing to pay a significant premium to get those technologies and the, that equipment. And so obviously... You know, uh, for somebody who is doing business, who is after the profit, it's a very lucrative option. Shermeta says that if these reports are confirmed, China may face consequences, and these consequences could greatly harm China's export-oriented economy. We spoke to foreign policy expert Harley Lipman, who says the U.S. needs to put pressure on China. The United States has a number of economic levers that it could use with China. I mean, China still needs the United States to purchase its goods and to operate in the world economy that it does. The United States is still the largest market in the world. It needs the United States and it needs to uh, do business with Western Europe. That means that the United States and Western Europe has leverage. We could apply pressure to China. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was supposed to go to Beijing this weekend and discuss China's relationship with Russia. But because of the Chinese surveillance balloon caught floating in the U.S. airspace, the meeting has been postponed to an unknown time. Taking a break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, theater chain AMC planning to charge different prices depending on where you sit. And Super Bowl ads all sold out this year, according to Fox. How much did most of them go for? That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Want the best seat in the theater the next time you go to the movies? Well, if it's an AMC theater, getting there early won't be good enough anymore. Soon, you'll have to pay. The movie chain has announced it's introducing new ticket pricing options that depend on where you sit. For now, there will be three options. First is standard price, which AMC says will be for the most common seats. If you want a seat in the middle of the theater, you'll have to pay a premium for that. And if you rather save money and get the cheapest seat, craning your neck in the front row will now cost less than a regular ticket. The new pricing initiative rolls out Friday in New York, Chicago, and Kansas City. It's set to hit all AMC theaters before the end of the year. 
And today, Fox announced that ad spots for Super Bowl 57 are all sold out. Advertisers jockeyed to get their products in front of the more than 100 million people who watched each year. Anheuser-Busch remains the biggest advertiser with three minutes of national airtime. Hanneken, Diageo, Remy Martin and Molson Coors are also in the game. A few ads went more than $7 million for a 30-second spot. Most sold for between $6 million and $7 million. Crypto ads, though, this year are out after FTX filed for bankruptcy in November. The company's founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, has been charged with defrauding investors. The Kansas City Chiefs play the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. Wellness is trending again as we emerge from the pandemic. Business analysts say it has the potential to become a trillion-dollar industry. NTD Sandra Thomas has the details. Around 50% of American consumers say wellness is a daily priority. Wellness is a general term used to cover fitness, nutrition, appearance, sleep, mindfulness, and general health. It places importance on physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. According to the World Economic Forum, well-being has become more important to workers post-pandemic. Its survey found that 45% of workers say their employers don't support their well-being, but 74% of companies say ensuring employee well-being is important to them. What we need to do is focus more, obviously, on our individual care. So, for example, customized food uh, programs are very important for us now. Having in urban cities the ability to walk outside so that we're becoming more healthy and decreasing the stigma and taboo of mental health is really important. And finally, tech has become very important. A park like Village in Studio City is designed to be a mindful oasis. Business is booming, and there are even plans to expand. And when we were designing the redevelopment of this place, wellness and well-being were really front of mind for us. Uh, this could be a place where people come and gather, commune with each other, commune with nature. Uh, it's quiet, it's cool, it's off Central Boulevard. The growing wellness trend also includes sleek, modern health centers. Next Health is one of them. With three locations in LA, New York, and Maui, it's hoping to make wellness a one-stop shop. We are a health optimization and longevity center. We specialize in bioindividuality. So we do biomarker testing to evaluate genetic dispositions, food sensitivities, hormone imbalances, and we have the greatest technologies in the world under one roof, things such as IV therapy, hormone optimization programs, ozone therapy, and cryotherapy even. Business analysts at McKinsey say wellness is a $1.5 trillion market globally, and it's growing 5 to 10% a year. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Over in Mexico, students have a new way to power through their classwork. They can crank out some light exercise on their new school desks that are equipped with bike pedals. Take a look. A Mexican school is trying to reverse some of the negative impact of the COVID pandemic on children. After we got back to in-person classes, we began to observe lots of anxiety among our boys and how obesity shot up. We also saw high levels of tension deficit in our students. With this project, we're trying to break down the problem. This will also help with oxygenation of the brain. The idea for bike desks came from the inspiration provided by another North American country. 
Mexican entrepreneur Miguel Ortiz saw how Canada provided students with bike desks and looked for a way to do it in Mexico. When we saw their version, we realized it was a financially unfeasible version for Mexico. We decided to develop a prototype at a viable cost that could be implemented here in Mexico. The product is completely different from the one over there, but the concept was taken from Canada. Ortiz developed a version that cost the equivalent of $142, five times less than Canadian bike desks. A 13-year-old student thinks the idea works well. As students, this gives us a very satisfactory bonus. When we are physically active, it also helps keep us focused on our daily activities. It's actually incredible. The school currently features two classrooms with the new desks, but the plan is to gradually add them to all 21 classrooms. And that's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Don and Mike. Follow me on Twitter, too. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. I'll see you tomorrow.